This episode of the Iconic Podcast is brought to you by Iconic Clothing Co. You can check out the Instagram page is where uh, cool pictures are posted of people wearing the clothing. And you can check out the newest releases. Vince Young is so beautiful. I cannot wait to see it on t-shirt. And then you can go to the website is where you can make your purchase. IconicClothingCo.com This episode of Iconic Podcast, number 13. And it turned in a way that I got I really I really got excited about. I knew the first two parts were gonna deliver because we 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 brought in the big J this time, Uncle Luke. We brought in the big J. Alec Lewis um, from the Athletic joined us today. He covers a lot of Mizzou sports. And so I knew Mizzou was gonna go well, but towards the end we were able to just kind of go off the cusp and got to talk about more about sports journalism as a whole and as a, a job versus fun and all of that and it was it was really really cool to hear another another perspective episode 13 of the iconic podcast right now On episode 13 of the Iconic Podcast, and Alec, as we go here, correct me if I'm wrong, all right? He is a former writer for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. True. Writer for Yahoo Sports. Also true. And now writing and covering Mizzou Sports for The Athletic, Alec Lewis is going to join the show today, our first ever in-studio guest. Alec, how are we doing, big fella? I'm good, Bo. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm excited. It's it's like late night. I'm I'm I'm, but I'm ready to go. I, okay. I, I had like a granola bar. It's probably not what's gonna get me to go most, but I, no, I'm good. I'm 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 ready. So Uncle Luke and I refer to people like you as Big J. Yeah. You're you're a journalist. You 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 study the the skill and the proper technique and go through <laughs> it the whole way. Me and Uncle Luke, we tend to make some shortcuts here or there. Yeah, more or less. Like when we had Robert Mazon, that was like our first big guy, and then um, we have his his dad's buddy, and also a family friend, uh, Jay Paris, on as well. But I mean, someone our age, you're like you're the hero, like because I came to Mizzou, thought I would go the whole journalism route, did it for a little bit, realized how fucking tough it is, and that's why we have so much respect for you, just because it's tough out there. No, it. I mean, it is tough. I actually just came like a couple hours ago. I was doing this thing where I had to talk to a bunch of students who are interested in sports journalism and it's all like oh what can i do to put myself in that like it is so difficult i try to tell everyone that just because i've worked so hard given up a lot and it's i mean yeah i i kind of feel i'm honored that i am a (laughs) i am qualified as a big j journalist but no it's funny like robert mays went to mizzou he did the same track that i've done and like that's why i came here to do this um, I work every day towards it. It's fun for me more than anything else. So, no, I mean, it's, it's it's not easy. I think a lot of people look at it, oh, you get to go to games, and you do, and it's amazing. And, oh, you get to talk to James Harden and Clayton Kershaw who's on the TV right now, and you do. But at times, it can be very difficult and hard. Stressful so. as all hell. I yeah. I totally imagine. So, obviously, primarily, you're a writer. True. Right? That, I would say, is your bread and butter. That's your go-to. 
uh, and uh, Uncle Luke and I, we've dabbled in it, but we're, you know, more podcast guys, more TV media side. Do you just want to do writing or do you want to do the other stuff? Because I know you were doing a podcast this summer and then the writing vamps up again. And, you know, it just like takes time, obviously, out of everything else. No, I want to do the other stuff. Like, I, I love doing podcast stuff. It's fun for me to be able to just like kind of shoot the shit and have a real conversation. Yeah. Like I when I talk to these players and today's Tuesday. So this morning we have Mizzou football media where I'm talking to the athletes and the coaches. I don't enjoy we're like Drew Locke. What do you think about this? Drew Locke, how would you assess the deep like? For me, that's not as fun as just having a real conversation. That's why I think podcasts especially kind of heat itself to such good conversation and just normal conversation, which makes the best stories. I love writing the most. Initially, growing up, I really didn't, but I I feel like it's a way for me to express myself. So that's why I enjoy it maybe more than anything else. But I still love podcasts. When I'm on camera, like I don't know if anybody actually wants to look at me on camera, (laughs) but – Maybe at times it's short. it's fun for me. So I don't know. I, I, I like doing it all. I'm open to doing everything. Um, <laughs> so, it, I mean, it, 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 it varies. Okay, so I think we're three minutes in, and Gabe is already chirping out. <laughs> he said he had a face for radio. <laughs> God damn, Gabe. I think many would agree. I think, God damn. I think many would. Like, I look at myself in the mirror, and I, I mean, <laughs> you, I'm not on TV. So there's, like, a reason I'm not on TV. Oh, so, Gabe, can, like, nice. I think I would like writing more if I was like half as good as Alec was at writing. You know what I mean? <laughs> It'd make uh, life a lot easier if we were uh, talented writers. We're kind of going backwards, actually. When <laughs> Uncle Luke and I were prepping the show, we're like, all right, we're going to do Mizzou football for a third. We'll do Mizzou basketball for a third. And then we'll end kind of just generic sports journalism talk. But uh, clearing it out now. Yeah, I mean, first of all, if you need a podcast producer – Hit me up because I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it for free. I'll, I'll create your platform. I need for some you. help, I'll, man. I'll take care of it. No, I, I mean, just doing this. And this is now of all this episode 28 with the radio show and now just us on our own end. But I mean, if you need if you need any help, hit me up. I'm dead serious. We can take care of you because, I mean, obviously your platform has grown throughout the years and and. Uh, you've gained a huge following now. Like people want to listen to podcasts, especially people who like you who are talking to them. And I'm sure that you'd have connections with players that you, that that would be willing to go out there and, and talk to you on in a much casual conversation. I'm curious. So you, this is your 28th. You said, like, what? How did you? What? What propelled you to do this? So I started same track as you, and it was also same track as Bo. I, I did broadcast and went into convergence. I I tried to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, journalism-wise, and realized I wanted to do more production-based stuff, more storytelling stuff, so I switched to digital storytelling, which is a little bit different, but it still has journalistic qualities, and it's a wing of the journalism school. But I, I guess what started was is Bo was doing these podcasts just on his own, and I was like, dude, I can, I can, I know oh, the, yeah. I know the production of this, and so like the whole post-production part of it, make what makes it work is that Bo does the broadcast part, and I'm more of the the EP in the back, kind of running the strings, running the show, and, and Gabe's the, the hype man. Exactly, <laughs> Gabe's Gabe's just the, the nephew sitting on the couch, just hanging out each podcast now, which is becoming a staple for us. But <laughs> now, if you need anything, anything to help, no, I appreciate, start, I appreciate here it. For. He makes my life pretty easy. I just kind of get to sound good, look good, <laughs> do everything else, and <laughs> Luke does the hard stuff behind the scenes. Um, pretty solid intro. 
Plenty to talk about, though, in the in the Mizzou sports realm. You mentioned today was media day yes. for Mizzou football. Yes. I think we'll start with Mizzou football, and then we'll, we'll head into Mizzou basketball after that. Mizzou football coming off a very impressive win. You know, did everything that they were supposed to do, I guess, is the way you would put it. Um, they, you know, Memphis wasn't ranked by any means, but took care of business on a homecoming uh, game and – you know, covered and did all, everything they were supposed to do. Yeah, no, I talked to before the game. So rep- big, I guess, big J journalists like oh, we're we're bringing like this, in. <laughs> yeah, like, this is happening. Like me, we get so we get field access like an hour and a half before the game. So I was da- I I go down there. I try to. I mean, I talk to people that I know and kind of kind of gather the scene as much as I can. I talked to a staffer before the game. They played Memphis, who's I think. Coming into the game, they were like 500. Defense was really not that great. I talked to an offensive staffer, and he was like, we're going to put up points. I promise we're going to put up points. It's just a matter if the defense can stop them. And, and like, there was a point early in the game where I was like, I really don't know if the defense can end up stopping. It was like 21-17 somehow. But the offense was just so good Saturday, clicking like it hadn't in a long time, um, at least since early in the year. So that was good to see, I think, from a Missouri fan's perspective. I also would say, like, the players were so relieved after that game just to have gone out there and done what they were expected sure. to do. It's Memphis. I'm not going to go crazy and make some bull right. predictions. Yeah. But I will say, like, sometimes you don't take care of business like you should. Missouri did that, so that was a very, very positive sign, I'd say. And we've seen that, obviously. You, you backtrack into the season. You've, we've seen that before of them not taking care of business when we thought they were a better team against South Carolina on the road. And I had that, that I mean, hideous, I think, is the right <laughs> word for that yeah. third quarter. Um, but that has kind of been the, the quote-unquote thing about the – uh, Barry Odom era is that he can take care of business against the the smaller level teams, the Wyoming's, the Memphis's of the world. But now we're coming into this week, and it's a far bigger test at home against number twelve Kentucky, who has arguably the best, the most stout defense in the SEC. They've have some big time wins against uh, other SEC East opponent. Uh, Barry Odom, I want to ask this question very simply to you: is is he still a work in progress, or is he underachieving? I would say it's a tough question. <laughs> I, I mean, I'd have to say he's still a work in progress. Um, I, and I, I mean, I say that knowing that there are people that would say he's definitely underachieving. Um, I, I see both sides. I'd say he's still a work in progress. And I think this weekend's game is like if the progress is a apartment building, this is like 99% of the building. Like, I think this weekend's game that might be overstating it, but is really essential for Barry Odom. You get the number 12 team in the country at home. This isn't like Oregon football or Stanford. This is Kentucky. I know that they've been good. Benny Snell's one of the best running backs in the country, bar none. Um, but they really can't throw the ball that well. Their defense is pretty good, but you have what you think is one of the best offenses in the country. So I don't know. You're playing at home. You're coming off a nice win against Memphis. For Barry Odom, you have to think that this is your opportunity to show people, hey, we can get it done. We can take like one of these opportunities that he always talks about. This is the one that you have to get, I think, if you're Barry Odom. Adding to the whole it's still a work in progress idea and taking care of business. And, you know, at times it doesn't look super pretty, especially against these good teams. 
Well, now we're looking back on that Purdue game from <laughs> earlier in the season, and all of a sudden, wait, oh, was that not just taking care of business? Was that more than taking care of business? That is overachieving at you know at this standpoint in the season from what we saw Purdue against Ohio State this weekend. Purdue quarterback David Blau um, threw for 572 yards against Missouri, and I was like laughing. I didn't go to the game, and this is maybe bad, but I was laughing in my at my couch watching David Blau, Blau, that's his name, <laughs> Blau, throw for 570 yards against Missouri. Now <laughs> David Blau has been like Tom Brady these last five weeks. They, they I mean, they crushed Ohio State frankly. And yeah, Barry Odom mentioned today is like that Purdue wins looking pretty good. No, it is looking good, really good. Right, right. Um, I didn't expect this at all, but Jeff Brom is a really good coach. So it makes sense that they bounce back. I mean, the reason why I go to go back to the, the original question, the reason why I say that is he's six and 13 versus SEC opponents. He he's Owen, I think it was it Owen seven versus top 25 opponents, Owen three against top 10 opponents. And I don't think anyone, if you go all the way back to when he took over this program, no one thought this it was going to take a year or two, and he was going to just have it going. You know what I mean? Um, real quickly, just to give you an update for Blau. Since they've played Missouri, here's here's his stat line. Since the loss, the 40-37 loss to Mizzou, they beat Boston College by 27. He had 296 and three tutties, no interceptions. Then he went at Nebraska, won by almost 20, 328, one touchdown, no interceptions. At Illinois, a slaughter. 377, three touchdowns, one pick, and then Ohio State, three touchdowns, no picks, 378. I should try to get Blau for Heisman trending. <laughs> but back, no, back to your Barry Odom point. So I've been on the train for for weeks, to be honest. I, I've thrown the stat out of, of his record against teams that finished with winning records. It, I think, now with Purdue, it's probably like two and fifteen or something right. like that. And those are just teams against. Uh, playing against teams that are actually solid, that are very good. Bull eligible. He, right, right, bull eligible teams. He hasn't, like, performed. His team has not performed in those games. So I fully understand why people would say he's underachieved. And really, to be honest, I think he he's kind of underachieved, but he's still a work in progress is probably how I'd say it. I mean, if you'd beaten Texas – like I think you'd have a lot more to to talk about, and I think right. just a game like that against a established program or or just established name program. Um, I mean that's why even if you beat Kentucky this weekend, there will be people that say it was just Kentucky, and I right. know this is a lot better Kentucky team, but you will get that. I mean, I'm gonna play devil advocate with you a little bit just because. His losses this year have come against the number one team in the nation who no one matches up to with them right now. <laughs> the number two team in the nation, they just lost in Georgia. But we played them, they were number two, and they were still had all the hype from last year. And obviously they, they might be not as good as everyone thought, but they, they were still Georgia. You know, Georgia came to town. And then number nine, uh, Florida, that they play next week at the Swamp. And then obviously Kentucky at home. That's why I'm emphasizing, you know, is it, is it really, are we supposed to win this game? In my opinion, at some point we're supposed to win these games. Like, Go ahead. Go That's ahead. been my biggest thing. It's you play a game like South Carolina where it was kind of a toss up. I think South Carolina was favored, maybe Missouri was favored by two. But there's been there have been so many of these toss up games where maybe Missouri's not really supposed to win. But at some point, if you're trying to get over that hump in the SEC East, and Missouri definitely is. That's why Drew Locke came back. It's why Terry Beckner came back. It's why Barry Odom has spoken about winning championships. As far fetched as that may sound right now. To get over that hump, you have to win a game that's maybe a toss-up. 
and I think this weekend Missouri is favored. They're a seven point favorite. You got I mean, you gotta win this game this weekend. Back to your point though, real quick, like, yeah, you're never gonna beat Alabama. It's the greatest team to ever step on the turf. Georgia, you really had a chance to win, maybe even. Um, had maybe Albert O not fumbled the football or maybe the call been had the call been made on it being I mean they left 17 the refs left right, 17 right. points like on the I understand those arguments like South Carolina it's harder for me to see the def, def, to defend that, that especially with the third quarter some of those I wrote I think my story after that game was just inside that one drive where Demaria Crockett threw his hands in the face of a defender and it was just really a train wreck um so that one's not as, as defensible. But like I said, if Barry Odom wins this weekend against Kentucky at home, which is something he should do, um, then at your five and three, you go at Florida, you play Vanderbilt, Arkansas. Um, there, I mean, you get to seven and five. And I think if Barry Odom's seven and five, it's going to be really hard to get rid of a guy who's seven and five at Missouri, just regardless. I think if you go six and six, you have the conversation. You're talking about the importance of this weekend, right? It's yeah. a ranked, ranked opponent, you know, and we're favored by seven. It's a pivotal moment in the season, but there's much bigger implications than just the game this weekend. You know, it, we, we don't get the luxury of the insider scoop that you get, but we've got some special company in attendance this weekend watching Missouri football take on Kentucky, and man, if you know, I, I'll let you explain, but if, if things go the right way, this changes the, the program for the better for the next two years. Yeah, per reporting, um, there's there's a, a couple journalists that have reported it. Kelly Bryant, the former Clemson quarterback, will be in attendance Saturday at Memorial Stadium for O'Field. I mean, look, Barry Odom's recruiting, I think, is something also you could talk about. Absolutely. In, in terms of underachieving. I, I don't – like. There has not been really one consensus four-star um, sign since Barry Odom took over. There are a couple really good guys like Jack Buford. Um, I mean, I don't. I could. I could. Jalen Knox. Right, Jalen Knox obviously looks really good. Tyler Beatty looks like a really good recruit. Um, Barry pitched in on Alberto and Demaria Crockett. So you like you could see a couple of these, but there is. No, I mean, this weekend with Kelly Bryant here, it's just far and away the biggest opportunity in recruiting that Barry Odom's had just to solidify, like you're getting a guy who's been at the highest level at a program that has really like exuded excellence for so long. If you can bring a guy from that program to your program and uh, like allow him to buy in, I think that says right. a lot about what you could build. I think what we're playing here is a lot of expectation versus reality in a way, just because uh, my freshman year, we went to the SEC East uh, championship game. The year before that, we were the number three, ranked number three in the country after it, all, it was all said and done. So I think there's a generation of Mizzou fans that that went to the school or just graduated that were like, that just went through arguably some of the worst years in, in school history, and we're wondering when is this going to get back to where it is? And there was a lot of hype around Drew Locke. There was a lot of hype around Terry Beckner. All these guys coming back. If they can get Kelly Bryant for a year next year as a grad transfer, I think that regardless of what may happen, I, I think there's a lot of people who expect to be better nationally in a national form than UNC and Louisville, who are the other two teams that he's talk that they, he's talking I think to. Arkansas, the right, there's another Arkansas. one that I'm probably forgetting. I mean, those are the, I think UNC and Louisville are like the only ones he's mm -hmm. taking a visit on. I think he might have Arkansas scheduled. For me, it's going to come down to the offense versus defense, our offense versus their defense, especially in the run game because they're so stout uh, uh, rush defense-wise. Is Emmanuel Hall going to be ready to go on Saturday? Um, we don't know. 
We, I, I, I'd be lying to you if I said I knew. Right. I have no idea. Um, Emmanuel Holt today was at practice, so he's back in Mizzou. It's been a rough go for him. Um, I will say I feel for the kid. Like that's one of my favorite guys to talk to on the team. One of the nicest kids that I've ever gotten, I've ever covered here at Mizzou. He's back with the team. He practiced today. He was in a red uniform, meaning I think he's still nursing the groin injury. I w- I'm not going to say he's not going to play because I, I just don't know. Um, but I, I will say, like I saw Nate Brown, who's also been out with the groin injury today. After practice, he was catching passes, like cutting, running legitimately like going through drills to where I wouldn't be surprised if he played. I, Emmanuel wasn't doing that, so I, it just makes me a little hesitant. I texted you, maybe it was three weeks ago, and I said, man, that tweet that you sent about Emmanuel Hall and the games that he's missed mm-hmm. in correlation with our record in those games is a striking statistic, and I'm hoping you could update it up to now. I don't I, – I, okay. I probably – I mean, he hasn't – been there and they've lost three out of the four so i mean i, I in guess, addition to the three games right from the original tweet right so it's funny i don't know if i should even say this but i got those so i i verified the stats but drew Locke's dad actually sent me those stats <laughs> sent, sent me he sent me the information i mean i don't i don't know if i should say this even but he sent me um just that information i think just trying to like let me know how that he knows and Drew knows wow. how essential Emmanuel is to the team. No one's gonna rat you out on no, that. No, none of our listeners are gonna be like, you know, we gotta call up Drew's dad. No, Drew's dad, you know. But it was, a lot worse has been said on this show than that right there. But it's funny, no, like he 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 sent that over. I was sitting in the training complex um, on a Tuesday morning, like waiting to talk to players. I get a DM from Andy Locke, and I'm thinking it's something about Drew. They've just lost to. I think it was Georgia, and Drew was pretty down, I know, at that time. Instead, it was just a whole paragraph about Emmanuel Hall. It's it interesting, but I verified the stats. And, it, yeah, I mean, when Emmanuel Hall plays this offense, I mean, you saw what they did this past week in 65 points without him. When Emmanuel Hall plays in this offense, I think it's one of the top five, top ten in the country, bar none. It might even be that without him. Damn. That'll get you excited real quick. I mean, I agree with you. Absolutely. Just the aspect of he, they can go over the top basically at will. And then that that opens up Albert O in the middle easily because those safeties have to play a lot deeper to, to guard now Jalen Knox on one exactly, side exactly. and Emmanuel on the other. And then now that opens up a, just a ton of room, especially in the running game as well. And you have three guys who can legitimately run the ball and catch the ball out of the backfield. It opens up everything. And you didn't even know Jalen Knox was going to be able to do this. So now if you think you add Emmanuel and then say – Jonathan Johnson's actually catching the ball, and then you have Jalen Knox and Albert O. It's dangerous. I mean, I, I've, I've said that for a while. You just never know what happens if everybody's healthy. Um, but like Derek Dooley, will, Derek Dooley will tell you, there are injuries everywhere uh, and everywhere in the country, so <laughs> we can't make excuses. <laughs> this is amazing. Oh, my God. The last thing that I wanted to say was I think this is about the one-year anniversary of the State of the Union address from Barry Odom last year. And in his only season we've seen him coach, the only full season, he caught fire at the end of the season. And if it means that there's going to be some minor early midseason struggles, I'm okay exchanging that for a strong finish of the final four games and a good performance in the bowl game. That means a lot more to me than it does winning some of the early games. I want to see you know who's established – 
and who's not and see how we fare against those teams. Say Barry Odom, I mean, you play at Florida, so that's one of the toughest environments in the country, but you never know what happens. Say Barry Odom were to win out or win a lot of the, the rest of the games, people are going to remember that more than they're going to remember losing to Alabama and Georgia. So you're right. Um, I would say most fans would agree with that. I also think a lot about, like, this is Missouri football, and, and over the history of Missouri football, it's hard to say how good they've been at times. And, like, Gary Pinkle had some amazing years, but there weren't many. And I think, like, if you can have – continuously solid years and I know seven and five it just kind of gets old after a while right but like Mark Stoops at Kentucky it's his fifth or sixth year he's been given the time and look what he's done now they're they're number 12 in the country I I just I I get both sides of it I think really like I like you said Bo like what Barry ends up doing in this last half stretch is going to tell the story of Barry Odom and to go back to Gary Pickle, Gary Pickle's first four or five years were not good. There were a lot of four, four brutal, and eights, brutal. Uh, three and nines, and and he took over a historically terrible team at, at the time as well. And and Barry Odom was not in a good position. The or the team wasn't in a good position when he took it over as well. So I totally get it. And I, in Barry Odom's press conference today, he said, you know, Mark Stoops got the time. And look where he got them. That and was so, a good quote. It was like ex- right at everyone. A, a, who <laughs> exactly. And but like that, everyone who I talked to is like, is Barry Odom on the hot seat? You know what I mean? It feels like he's on the hot seat. They were saying the same thing last year, right before the State of the Union address. Is he on the hot seat? Is he on the hot seat? We talked about it on a show a year ago. I remember. And we're like, let's slow down. Let's at least give him a season. Because I remember at the end of the year, we're like, dude. Do you remember when they were talking about firing Barry Odom at the end of last year? And we were like, dude, did we say that he should get fired on the show? Like, we had to go back and listen. I'm like, oh, thank God I didn't say that. It would have been so dumb. I did say, however, that at one point, Mizzou is still a Big 12 team disguised as an SEC team. Or they're, they're, they're an SEC school disguised as a Big 12 team. Two weeks ago, when, we were, um, when I was going to Tuscaloosa, I did a radio hit in Tuscaloosa, and one of the – Big J. Big J. One of the one of the um, radio people asked me. They were like, "How is Mizzou acclimated to the SEC, or like, have the, are they an SEC school?" And I was like, "Not really. I mean, you can see it every week, every whatever. It feels like more people are wearing the clothes, more people are tailgating the way SEC teams tailgate. But if you look at Missouri, and you even talk to some of the coaches." They're trying to kind of, in a way, be like the Oregon of the SEC where they're doing things a little differently, especially on offense. I mean, last year was just incredible in terms of what they were. It wasn't even real offense. Like, it was like a video game kind of. Like, Gabe, that's probably something you would do on a video game. But, like, (laughs) Gabe's horrible at video games, bro. (laughs) He's horrible at everything. Gabe. <laughs> You're garbage. Gabe's bro. good. Gabe's good at Fortnite. That is true. I'll Congrats, give it to him. Gabe. Um, no, but I, like, I really think m- the more years that go by, the more Missouri will acclimate to the SEC. And I people will ask, like, was it the smart decision? Money wise, Missouri had to make that decision. You were never going to turn down the X amount of million dollars over the top that you get from the SEC network. So. I don't know. I mean, I think in a way I can see why people would say Missouri's still kind of a big tw- – they don't play defense that well. Sure. So that, that's part of it. I mean, to your point about the Mizzou homecoming, in my now five years – I graduate in December, but in my five years, 
Um, I, I, I really went around all of Mizzou's campus on Saturday, and I lived on the corner of Providence and Bingham, which is right down the street. So I, for the past three years, I, I saw like tailgating, and, and I felt it firsthand because of parking. People show up, they pay, and, and my, my junior year, we still weren't there. It was a year off of my, our sophomore year when you know everything that went down on campus, and I think that played a big part into the growth of Mizzou academics, Mizzou uh, athletics as well. And I think this was the biggest homecoming, just growth-wise, of people I've just seen on campus because for the past two to three years, there hasn't been a, there hasn't been the normal amount of kids at this school, and I think that plays a huge role in in building a program. No, I'd agree with you a hundred percent. This homecoming did seem like the biggest that I've seen, and that I mean, the boycott happened my freshman year. It's something I think about a lot. It was probably the craziest week right. of my life. It's I, crazy. Right. So I covered that thing for the manor. We ended up writing a long story that ended up like it was it's something that propelled me forward um, from that point. But everything that I mean, like I think about that a lot just because of how much it affected the sure. school and affected affected certain factions of the school in certain ways. And it's really interesting um, going back and thinking about it. I always say like if I could write a book on that week and what it was like, right. um, I oh, would yeah. do it, but we'll see. It was insane. I mean, just I don't know if I could write a book. It's a lot of work. Quickly around the table. I Personally, I think it's a must win this weekend. Do you think it's a must win? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, Florida's the must win. If, if, if we're Going on the road to the swamp? I said before the season, I said before the season as – I assume Jack Mays walks in. We gave him the mic last time. This is literally it's it's always at the thirty minute mark. It's all he's always <laughs> here at the thirty minute mark. It's incredible. And last time. time he compared himself to LeBron James, so we're gonna keep the mic out of his hands this time. Um So he's 0 for three. <laughs> oh, oh damn. Oh, we'll, we'll I love the okay, yes, I love it. I love okay, it. Hold on, give me the mic. I love LeBron, but we'll give Okay, we will we will wrap up with just generic sports talk and all that. But I said before the season to make this a successful, incredibly successful season. I said the road game at Florida would mean a lot. I didn't know Florida was going to be, you know, top 10 by that time. But I knew that you win that game and your season's in a completely different dynamic than it is prior. I agree with you. I I, I agree with you. I mean, if you win that game, I just think it's going to be a lot more difficult than I thought it was going to be, like you said, before the season. And I, do, I think, like, this Kentucky game <laughs> – Missouri fans at home have had so many opportunities. You get Georgia, you get Georgia again. You get yeah. I don't know. I, I I don't I going through my head. I'm sure there are so many opportunities at home. And Drew Locke came back for a game like this. I tweet it all the time. Came back for a game like this against a ranked team with a pretty good crowd, maybe like about as full as it's been. I think on Saturday. Um, I mean that's why that's why he came back. That's what Barry Odom needs to push this program forward. So I think it's a must win. All right. Well, we we procrastinated long enough. I'll cue the sad music and post. I don't know if I want to do it. This is uh, this is tough. This is like the not fun part of sports reporting or sports journalism or whatever. However you want to look at it and whatever media platform you do it, this is the shit that sucks. Because you, for an entire year of six, six the last six months, you know, you look forward to the basketball season, and you do that. You play the game. All right, well, well, who's who do you think is going to be the starting five on, on opening night? I've, I, You know how many times I've done that with my dad? Over the last six months, the amount of times that we've talked about the starting lineup for Mizzou basketball, and in uh, the blink of an eye, 
it, it can all change rather quickly. And the crazy part for me, obviously, Jonte Porter tears his ACL and MCL. The night before is Mizzou Madness, and he pops off. He has an incredible night where it looks like he lost some of the baby fat that he still had on him because he was 17 when he was here, and he's flying up and down the court, and the size was there, and you know he's a really mature kid. But uh, now, for the next 12 months, he'll have to do some very, very diligent rehab and recovery. Um, Alec, I, you know, I don't even know how to cue you up for it. I mean, I'll say, so I was at Big 12 um, yeah. eating dollar out, eating dollar <laughs> shameless plug. No, 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 not, not, not shameless. shameless. True. We'll we, get a sponsor. We did a, we did a Mizzou, so, real quick, we did a Mizzou soccer game that we always, women's soccer game that we always talk about. And at the end of the broadcast, we talked about like, so wh- where are you going for dinner? I was like, well, my buddies and I, we always go to Chili's after <laughs> And and Jabo's like, eh, I might go to Big Twelve Dollar Burgers, meet some buddies there, and like we got like roasted for it. But we got back to the studio. So I'm I'm sitting there, um, I'm sitting there eating my burger. I'm trying to think if I should say this. My waitress hadn't brought the water. We'd been waiting forty minutes. Yeah, I, we gotta hurry the service or do something about that. Um, <laughs> sorry. I'm gonna if I'm gonna plug him, I'm also gonna be honest. Um, I'm sitting there, sitting totally. with a friend, pulls out his phone. On Twitter, he says, "Oh no, this has got to be a joke." He turns, it's gonna, it's Alex Schiffer's tweet that Jonte Porter um, tore his ACL and MCL. I, to be honest, like I was like, it's like one of those things. How do I react to this? It's it's about as tough as it gets. He's a guy who really, for me, in covering the basketball team last year, was like a the guy I went to for any type of like good quote, intelligent quote every time. He was so humble, honest, um, and just fun to watch on the court. I think back to the Vanderbilt game at Vanderbilt towards the end of the year. He had like 27. He was knifing in the lane, like dunking the ball with two hands. Um, I was at that game. We road tripped to Vanderbilt for it. And just to see this for him is about as tough as it gets. I I know he was close to going pro. Like it was definitely in his um, head for a long time. Uh, you just never know what happens, and I, it, it's just about as brutal as it gets. For Conzo Martin, too, I mean, you're looking at this year as a stepping stone to keep pushing this thing forward, and it's just really hard to think how how they can continue to do it. And I, and I think what a huge storyline last year was was how resilient this Mizzou team was. Year, I mean, last year, you know, Michael Porter goes down right away. You, you get the Kansas game in two minutes of the Iowa State game. He goes down, and now it's like, all right, who are we going to look to? Guys step up. Cash is, is, I personally think he should have his number retired in the rafters for what he <laughs> was able to do for us last year. I, I, I'm, I might agree with you. I, like, I, I, I remember we, were at, we went to the K- KU game, the KU-Mizzou game uh, last su- or that Sunday after homecoming, and I remember just seeing him play. I'm like, this guy can play the one. He can play the two. He can hit. Like, he's got a beautiful jumper. And like, I tweeted. I'm like, dude, you got a beautiful jump. And he like tweeted back at me. It was awesome. Like, so again, they, they're gonna have to face. Uh, they're gonna have to go through the trials and tribulations of losing their best player once again. Do you, who do you think steps in right away? Is it KP or is it Mitchell Smith? Like, who goes? I mean, Mitchell Smith hasn't played basketball in two years now. But I'd say it has to be Kevin Perrier. Okay. I mean, I just can't. I'm sorry, Mitchell Smith, but right. I can't put anything. No, into, you got to go to your senior. Right, you right. To. And I just don't know what Mitchell Smith has in the tank. I mean, he, he like, 
Jonte now. He tore his ACL, and it's been a tough recovery, I think, for him. It's I mean, he hasn't played in forever. I don't know if he's beefed up from freshman year when he really needed to beef up. I just don't know ultimately how much he can bring. Kevin Pryor's a guy the, – the, the one thing about him is he's worked so much on, like, his outside shot and kind of perimeter that I don't know if he can maybe – I think he hopefully he can do the things like Jonte did, which is shoot threes and do that type of thing. Um, but I don't think like vision wise, Kevin Prier can do anything near what Jonte could do passing the ball. That that I mean that's a fantastic point. Was I was going to say is because you have such a young group of guards now, right? Right. That, that's the that, biggest that you could just dump it into the high post. And how many times did we see last year? So much of the offense revolved around Jonte's playmaking, and now that's gone. And and I think him and and. Jeremiah were probably really excited to be a huge one-two combo just because they worked really well. Tillman's worked on his outside jumper as well this summer. So to see those guys, you know, integrate their their talents together and especially Jonte's playmaking ability. It would have been special. Exactly, especially because that's the reason why NBA scouts were so high on Jonte. And he's still a top 15 projected pick even after this injury. And I who knows if he comes back. I think it's way too early to, to think about that. But unless you have something, you know – are you saying for next year? I assume. No, no, no. I was talking about this year between Tillman and John. I just wanted, yeah. to, I just wanted to see them grow together. Yeah, the one thing year. on Tillman, I will say, I, I still think he's going to have a monster year and surprise a lot of people. Um, I think he's his work ethic is something that, to be honest, surprised. Like I didn't expect him to be the to be in the gym literally as much as he is, and just working on his game in parts of the game that he has been. Um. To, to the Jonte coming back thing, I mean, you look at this family and Bree had five ACL tears. Sierra had to medically retire because of knee, knee pain, um, knee problems. Michael has had the medical issues yeah. that no one would ever want to have. I mean, two back surgeries before 20 is – I don't even know if I know anyone else that's had to go through that. Um, so for Jonte – I just don't know how you can kind of explain slash um, maybe get exemplify why you would come back and forego the money for a second time with just the risk that you know exists. Uh, right. And you know what they always say, like when you tear one ACL, you have a greater chance of tearing the other one because of that. I mean, that's a, that's a thing people say. Just because of the pressure that they put, I don't know if you've. D- no, no, no. I, I've uh, Derek Rose. I went through that whole. Right, right. I, oh, I, there, I know okay, ACLs. Okay. Like yeah, the, you're pointing like, at your bull's head. I'm like, I, I don't know if I you've know, done that. I know, no, no. I know ACLs. Trust me, I, I get it. Like, it's terrible. No, but I, I mean, I think like the saddest thing for me is, I always talked about last year, like how is this Porter family going to be remembered, and just the Michael saga. Uh, it, I mean, I had so many sleepless nights from that, trying to like contact people can I break this news can I do this do I have a source saying this is he going to come back I always thought he was going to come back and he ended up coming back um I think I was like okay well Jonte will step in this year sophomore year and kind of uh, like cement the legacy of the Porter family in Columbia the fact that he won't be able to really do that I think it just it's kind of just I mean obviously it sucks for everyone that they can't see Jonte Porter kind of star on his own and kind of step out of his brother's spotlight, um, his brother's shadow. It's it's really unfortunate. And I think, I don't know, maybe there's something in Jonte that, that ultimately wants to 
prove to Missouri people why he came, why his, why they did the whole thing they did. Um, but he'll, who knows? he'll make a well-informed decision based off of the the research that they do at the end of the year. You know, they they're still talking to NBA teams and stuff like that. You know, the Spurs were rumored to be looking at them at seventeen last last year. Even I, I don't think a torn ACL to an eighteen-year-old is going to really scare off an NBA team in a long-term deal. Like you're getting a huge body with a soft touch and great vision. I don't think like his explosiveness was ever really a big part of the package that he was selling for Mizzou basketball this year. And it's funny because it already ties back to last year. I mean, Tillman's going to have to stay out of foul trouble now. And, and even more so than what was going to have to happen so with true. Jonte with Jonte, he was going to have to stay out of foul trouble for us to be in games because the the dynamic duo of Tillman and Porter was supposed to be the best front court in the SEC. That was the word the entire summer, and Tillman's improved game, Jonte's matured body, the combination of the two, that was supposed to lead us to you know being able to surprise some people. And the SEC is so competitive, and man, I think you remove one player like Jonte, and all of a sudden you're just digging yourself a hole that is going to be so hard to get out of and everyone's going to have to do a little bit more than they already are and um we were talking about Mitchell Smith uh, I talked about I think last podcast I played pickup basketball with him last year and uh he blocked the shit out of me like he just absolutely blocked the shit out of me I was like four feet five feet beyond the three-point line I like to shoot um and he was daring me to shoot this fucker you play at the wreck a lot Bo. yeah I a see lot, that, like lot. you're like trying to make the team, or was it? Was I am trying to make the team. Never giving up. You know what I mean? I mean, after last year, the the way we just got decimated at the guard position, like we gotta have to start looking at different avenues at one point. No, that's that was the biggest thing for me coming in this year for Mizzou basketball. Like, who do they have besides Jordan Geist at guard that can really handle the ball? I think for Missouri fans right now, your biggest hope is that somehow, some way, Mark Smith or Drew Smith gets a waiver granted that they can play. This has yeah. happened a lot this year. A lot the NCA has granted a lot more waivers. I don't know why, maybe because the NCA is the worst institution ever and they <laughs> might now realize it. But snaps, snaps, but <laughs> it's funny because I think Mark Emmert's supposed to be in town this week. Interesting kind of a beautiful thing. But um no I think for Missouri fans that has to be your biggest hope. I think you also have to hope that Torrance Watson's gonna be able to score the ball just at all like just in some form or fashion he's not gonna score 60 like he did at Whitfield in St. Louis everyone's role changes now and you're talking about Watson who's gonna have to pretty much be our starter our yeah. starting point guard now has to as a unit replace the efficiency that Jonte was gonna provide the other thing I would say is one guy that I would watch for that like has been very low-key ever since he committed Javon Pickett is a guy that I don't think anybody's really talking about. No one really knows that much about him. I w I'd be lying if I said I knew a lot about him. But I do think he'll have a, a pretty big role with this team um, in some form or fashion. So I'd make sure to watch that if you if you. And can. then obviously, you know, until K.J. Santos heals up. I mean, the thing is, those ankles like that, they linger. They linger, they linger, they linger. Uh, K.J. Santos is a Geneva boy. Jack went to high school with him uh, for two years. But – He's Before still he bounced around to nine other high schools. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's still in a boot. 
He yeah. is still in a walking boot right now, and, and we're approaching the start of the season here. That shit lingers. If he's still in a boot right now, the other guys are now going to have to replace his uh, work output and Jonte's. And, you know, the moment Tillman gets in trouble, then someone has to pick up him. And it's just going to be another year trying to dog these games. <laughs> That's what I don't know how I don't know much about KJ Santos and what he really bring, what he could actually provide, especially just numbers. I have no idea. Um, but what I've heard is this injury is definitely one that's going to last into the season. Like, I don't think he's going to be ready to go by the start of the season. And, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you're going to need guys like Ronnie Suggs stepping up. I don't know how capable he is. I, I, like, Ronnie. I don't know Adam Wolf if his ACL is healthy. Reed. You, We're gonna have, Reed's going to have to no, play. No, Big Reed is yeah. going to be essential for this. T- I love Reed Nico. He's like my guy. Look, I, um, I, would, I would go to war for Reed Nico. <laughs> After watching that Kentucky game at Mizzou last year, which was arguably – I mean – First time we ever beat Kentucky, but just watching him battle down low against NBA prospects, I, I was like, God bless you. I was talking about this the other sure. night. Is the Kentucky home game like the best Mizzou moment for a student in the last four or five years? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, nothing nothing great has happened between, literally, I kid you not, since Georgia came into town my freshman year, and it was as big as any any tailgate, any hype I've ever seen. Mizzou or Mizzou is going to take on a, a Todd Gurley-less uh, right, Georgia. Joe. Was that 2014? 2014. We we had just beaten uh, South Carolina. I was, yeah, I was out the game too. We just beaten South Carolina on the road. Game day was there. Maddie Mock came through in the clutch. I mean, hey, we're talking we're talking about ta- great teams here. I mean, we had a good defense. Ever since that 34 to zero shellacking, not much sporting wise has happened. Like great has happened and. Mo- Let's do a roundtable. Best moment, uh, sports-wise, at Mizzou. I mean, in my year, it, I, you're right. It, it, for me, it, I, I was at the Kentucky game too. I, like it has to be, has to be the Kentucky. And for a little bit in that SEC title game in 2014, when it was 14-7 in the third quarter, or end of the third quarter, going into the fourth before Alabama took control. I, I was like, wow, like we could do it. And I, I again, the hype on that game was huge too, but. To go back to your original point, yes, personally, I do I was think it was the biggest moment. I was talking to my roommate, Jonah, about this like last night, I think. I just can't think of a, another moment where a Mizzou fan probably felt so prideful other than that Kentucky game at home. I mean, I don't – I just can't think uh, – I guess maybe through this football stretch last year um, – there had to like maybe the Arkansas game or something. The winning streak was good last year, but I, it, but it wasn't like you haven't had a moment. I don't think where you can just be like hell, like we are on top. Like this is incredible. It wasn't. It wasn't those those games. I I, I don't want to say we were supposed to win because we started off so poorly. Kind of were supposed to win. But yeah, we were supposed to win them, but they were also not five hundred teams. Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Arkansas. Those teams weren't True. very good. This Kentucky team. What they went to the Sweet Sixteen this year. This past year, maybe. Yeah. I mean, that was a talented team. Shea Gillis, say Shea Gillis is going to be a great player on the Clippers. I mean, Kevin Knox was a standout in summer league. Colin He's Van be, Leer shut him down. A, a, Colin Van Leer shut him down. Another guy I'd go to war for just for one game. You're completely <laughs> right. And it was a CBS game. When Jim Nance is in attendance and you show out, yeah, it's the biggest sporting moment of my what do you career. Think, Bo? You, I don't know. I'm a little hesitant. I Results-wise, yes. Atmosphere-wise, the best Mizzou sporting event that I've been to is the Kansas, the Kansas basketball game. That was that was probably the best. You're probably it, right. It was because it was this 
No, I don't even know if it's a trio, but you've got the hype of Michael Porter together with now Tillman for the first time um, as a transfer or not a transfer, but, you know, decommitting from Illinois. We've got uh, our first look at Conzo with a cup of coffee courtside. I remember he's he's playing defense. That was my takeaway after the game. We're, we're riding back in the car, and I, Uncle Luke and I are talking. He is playing defense. It is six on five for us when he's out there. And it was uh, really exciting. It was a really good game. It was competitive. Kansas took it seriously despite everything they will ever say because uh, – and I'm blanking on their star's name last year, but he played 35 minutes. Devontae Graham. Devontae Graham played 30-plus minutes in that game last year. Billy, That was a big deal because Billy Preston got dunked on by Blake Harris, and they kept showing that clip over and over and over. <laughs> Is, is that was o- that was only I think that was Billy Preston's only. I feel like you're it. naming people that like it was like seven years ago. Right. Blake Harris was like a year ago, and I didn't even I right. totally Billy, forgot. Billy Blake Preston, Harris. I have no idea where Billy Preston's at. No idea. He either. might be in the G I League. Maybe. I should I probably know. No idea. Yeah, he's with Ryan Rosberg, wherever he is, <laughs> somewhere. I see Ryan Rosberg around camp. Like I think he loves like G and D Steakhouse. He, or pl- something. he plays pickup. He plays plenty of pickup. Oh, hey, shout out TSP. Shout out TSP. Show him some love. Um, no, I had to mention Rosberg's name at least one time in this <laughs> podcast. I'd have been doing a disservice if I didn't. My last column for the Maneater, I think, was like, and I wrote for the Maneater freshman year, I think was a column about Ryan Rosberg and how like kids looked up to him. I need to go find that. It's like, <laughs> I, it's, I, he was amazing. Like that. Well, how about how about, how about his, you? Last year he was scoring like fifteen a game. You're like, how is this guy? He's like balding. I, 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 well, how about for you? I mean, you've been here for the past four years. Like, what is it? Is it is it the Kentucky game? For me, it's the Kentucky game. Hype wise, it's either the KU Georgia uh, KU the Georgia game. Um, I remember my sophomore year when we played Georgia at home again, or my junior year when we played Georgia at home that again. Was, that was the we should have won that game. Right, that was the twenty eight twenty seven. If Mizzou had won that game, by far that would be the moment. I also might have been completely changed the outlook of that season. Right. They went what four and eight that year. Yeah. There you go. There's the Rossberg column. Bo pulled it up. He leaves a legacy. Um, I, I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. One of the most fun games that I covered was. That's a that's a better question. What's, was, what's some of the best games you've covered? I, I mean, there are a lot of them. The my freshman year after the boycott, the BYU game in Kansas City. So cool. That was like Pinkle's. Pinkle announced that he was going to be retiring that Friday he before had that game as well. Um, that was like a very emotional, crazy atmosphere. Casey. Yeah. Mizzou beat BYU. Um, first so time we ran out on all whites, by the right, way, the all white moment. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think, I mean, basketball, it had just been so rough this past year. There were a lot of fun basketball. Moments. Were you at the, uh, SEC game against Auburn? Again, oh Louis, no no no! I was not the game winner. I, if I Cash has drained that, I think I'll, again would have changed the oh, entire right, right, outlook right, of right. our. No, you're right. Because um, Porter would have gotten another game in, possibly. I'm trying to think of what else. I did Kentucky at Kentucky. That was a fun game this past year. Okay, basketball. Mizzou got killed. Yeah, it was fun. Murdered. Um, I don't know. I think, I think that Kentucky game at home has to be the one. I just. It's crazy. It's I, not I actually watched that game with Schmidt, by the way. Like we were up in the same seats. Like he, he like literally reconciles himself like to the like one back row, so no one can like complain at him for whatever. But no, to your point, I mean, it, it's really been 
a, a rough four or five years, but it, my buddy uh, Jeffrey Alexander, shout out to Luke, he uh, has been a diehard Mizzou fan since his birth, and and he's he's last year we talked about. It, I was like, we got two very uh, charismatic characters at the helm when it comes to both programs, both programs Mizzou, Mizzou basketball and Mizzou football. Um, I th- I think Conzo's gonna be my I it, the, the bet is that Conzo's here longer than Barry I think yeah um because I personally going back to the Conzo real quick I just he I think I I I'm optimistic that we're gonna be okay and we're not gonna be the same basketball team with Jonte if he was on the floor but he gets the most out of his guys yeah and that's th- the reason why some guys can't buy in and they transfer a la Blake Harris and it's this it's the reason why <laughs> the play of some guys is is amped up to different levels. I I respect Conzo Martin more than a lot of people I've ever been around. I felt like impressed. Have you ever inter- sorry to interrupt you? Have you ever like talked to Yeah, him yeah, oh, okay. yeah. We've had I mean a, a couple like one-on-one conversations. Okay. Um I went to East St. Louis for a Jeremiah Tillman story and spent time with his sister um who is I think the principal at East St. Louis High School. So I yeah, I mean I've never really heard anybody say one bad thing about him. The knock on Conzo Martin has always been can he get that? Can he like advance pretty far in the tournament? He took Tennessee, I think, one time Sweet to the 16. Sweet 16. Um, but like Cali had Jalen Brown, Ivan Rabb. They went to the first round this past year. You could argue that I don't know. Florida State ended up going to the lead eight, so there's not much arguing you you probably can do there. Um, but I mean, you could probably argue SEC tournament. You should have beaten Georgia. I don't know. There's there was so much involved in that. Um, I, I think Conzo Martin's the guy. I think it was a great hire. His connections to St. Louis are about as good as it gets. Um, I think they've recruited well for this upcoming class. Trey Jackson, Mario McKinney. Yeah. The E.J. Liddell thing I kind of expected to go a different way. But, I mean, if he's – Ohio State seems to kind of grab some of the kids out of St. Louis. So, I don't know. I think the future definitely, for me, looks a lot more up for Mizzou basketball than football if that's – under Conzo. Talking about recruiting with Conzo real quick, I mean, he's at, he's becoming a, a figure in, in Chicago basketball scene as well. And he's, he's, he's going to those games as well, especially in the Chicagoland area where we never touched prior. We never touched the, the city of Chicago. I mean, we just we got Pinson, who, whatever he turns oh, out to true. be, whatever he turns out to be, right? He's a young guard, and he's probably going to take a couple of years if he sticks with him, and he turns out to be a Conzo guy. But it's the fact, what I said, I said this to Bo on, on one of our podcast, earlier podcasts was, it's Pinson, yes, but just getting the step in the door at Simeon Academy where Jabari Parker and Derrick Rose went to school. These, like that Simeon Academy is is a professional basketball haven. That's yeah. where that's where guys are just completely just manufactured to become great pa- basketball players. The one thing that you definitely can never not Conzo Martin for is recruiting. Yeah. It's always how guys it's love been. Them. Guys absolutely they love them. And I, I don't – I mean – it is what it is. He's he can recruit players. I mean, he got Jalen Brown to go to Cal from the heart of Atlanta, yeah. so it's like sixty percent of college basketball. Right, it, I would say probably more. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I think recruiting is essential, and Conzo's proven that he can get that. Done. So we'll slowly wrap up. And last time we said we were going to slowly wrap up, we had another twenty minutes on the show. So <laughs> this time we'll try and do it a little more slowly, um, and we'll kind of just do casual. Uh, just basic sports talk because, I mean, other than the Mizzou stuff, I'm not exactly sure what your niche is. I don't know if it's NBA, MLB, NFL. I don't know if you're trying to do other things. So we were curious, you know, what takes precedent kind of for the, the world of Alcaloos as a fan almost. We're NBA guys. No, I'm an NBA guy. I will say 
there are times when I follow it a lot more than others. Um, like I had mono this past summer. And I was watching every NBA game because I couldn't do anything else. So I was reading. I was watching. <laughs> I was watching Kobe's detail. I was doing everything yep. that one could do Respect. to follow the NBA. I mean, I, I ultimately want to cover the NBA. I think it's the most fun sport. It's the sport that's tra- trending like upwards the most. And I think if you look at what ESPN's done and who they've hired recently, they've hired a lot of people to cover the NBA. And they're not stopping because that's where the market's going. Um, I also think the characters just make it fun. I spent this summer, I spent a day around James Harden, um, talked, spent time with his mom. I was at the NBA Awards in Santa Monica. So I got to, I don't know, talk to like Adam Silver and Shaq and people like that. So that for me is like the most fun. The It's where I get the most enjoyment, I think, out of. We found our NBA guy, by the way. We've been, try- we've been trying to find a kid, like a guy who covers the NBA, like, I mean, Shams is from Chicago, and he's the same age as me. And like, I will probably DM him. To Can't get in touch with them. I'll no tell way. you right now. No I, way. I, I, I mean, worked you at were, Yahoo. You were, yeah, exactly. He worked at Yahoo. We didn't have any correspondence. Um, he sticks to himself, but that's what the the greats do. In his position, you have to though. The right. the nature of what him and Waj do is you kind of do have to stick to yourself because you're isolated, and the information that you're being being provided. Some of it's on air, some of it's off the record, and they're probably working two weeks behind of all the information that they receive in some sense. I would say, um, yeah, those guys, what they do, like I'm on my phone a lot for Mizzou football, for Mizzou basketball, and I've broken news and I know how it works. I've talked to agents. I know agents. Um, But you have to be, if you're doing that job, you're not sleeping. I don't know if you, I don't know how you're like spending any time with family. I don't know how it works because you literally have to be on your phone all the time. Be the first person to text somebody like that's how it works. Um, Wait, so I, don't, I, I might've just, I might've messed up here for a while, but are you a Grizzlies fan? I'm not. A, no, no, okay. no, no. Okay. I really don't have a team. I'm, and that's like with everything you could ask me, I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. If you ask anybody from Birmingham, Alabama, it's either Alabama or Auburn, and I, I don't really side with either. It's never been my thing. I, I'm a players guy. It's kind of just how I've always been. And Uncle Luke and I are relatively in a in a similar boat. He he's a Bulls guy. I'm a Milwaukee Bucks fan. But I was explaining to him that a lot of Gabe's buddies, there's this bizarre contingency of Memphis Grizzly freaks. Like, where the hell do those guys come from? And so I had to ask if you were one of them, one of the nuts following the Grizzlies, the uh, Grit and Grind City um, Grizzlies fan. That's why I asked them. They beat the Jazz last night. The the Grizzlies beat the Jazz, I think maybe even in Utah. Um, was, no, yeah, the, these kids game. love the Grizz. They also, those same kids, they love the Titans and – I mean, we don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I. That's like the last team. I, he's like, I'll get texts from these kids. Like, what do you think about what Vrabel just? I'm. I'm like, yeah. well, I don't. I, Vrabel. Who the, like, <laughs> Is I he still the, the middle right, linebacker right, for, the, for the, the, the for the Patriots? Um, no, but no, they love the Grizzlies. The Memphis people love Memphis. It's a weird situation they they've got. They do. I, I could go back to your like you foul players like. And with the position you're in, it's probably better if you kind of just stuck to like liking players more so than, you know. Obviously, the 
the media landscape where it's completely changed, where I think Bill Simmons has really changed the whole dynamic of, you know, if you're a journalist, you, you can't really root for a team where now is you can be the super fan of a team and have a huge platform and that can you can also dip into other areas as well. Um, for me personally, like growing up in Chicago, like the only thing I knew was black, red and white and, and that Michael Jordan was the goat until I got here. I, did I really kind of fully understand that, like St. Louis and Kansas City don't have basketball teams, you know what I mean? So it's either college football or college basketball. But the idea of, like, following players, I was like, well, wait, you're a mellow fan, but you, like, kind of root for LeBron too? Like, what is this? Like, I'm like, if you're not if you're not putting on the Bulls uniform, like, I respect the hell out of LeBron, and I've, I've written, I've talked, I've done everything I could possibly said about LeBron, but at the end of the day, the dude's knocked out of the Bulls four f times in the playoffs he's completely shut down the best bull season of my lifetime in 2011 so like i'm gonna have amnesty towards <laughs> lebron because and like people are like what you don't like lebron i'm like yeah i don't like lebron i, I tell people all the time i was like if one guy was responsible for knocking your team out of the playoffs year after year when you were a contender you're gonna have some some annoyance toward that man no matter how good he is that completely makes like i would be the same way the the thing about lebron the LeBron conversation that really irks me is when people don't like him because of the person he is. It's bullshit. Um, like that, people talk about the decision, which I argue is the worst thing you can say about LeBron. It, and the worst thing you can say about LeBron, he raised a million dollars for charity. So if that's the worst thing you could say about somebody, then I don't know. I mean, he's got to be doing something right. I mean, you look like... The dude opened up a school this Right, you summer. look at what he's done with the school, you look at what he's done just for the game of basketball and especially the NBA. Um, it's, it's incredible. It's, I mean, he's amazing to watch on a nightly basis. Him going to the Lakers makes this thing very fun. Although I don't know if they're going to win a game this year. Um, <laughs> like, I, but I totally understand that, that point where you, I don't know, like if he knocked out your team, yeah, you're not, you're not going to like the guy. Also to your point on like how in this day and age, I think journalists can root, like, be a fan of certain teams. I don't know if it's good if, like, you're a big J journalist. Big J. Covering for a newspaper. If you're covering that team, you probably shouldn't be a fan. But we talk about this a lot. Our friends, they always ask me, Alec, are you rooting for Mizzou? I always say, no, I'm not. I, I Like, no, I'm not rooting for Mizzou. But I am aware of the fact that if Mizzou is doing well, more people will probably be reading my stuff. More people will be commenting. They'll be tweeting. I'll get more followers. Like, I am very aware of that, but it is not my job to really root on the team. Right. For me being a student here, the vibe around the school is better if the team wins. I know that for a fact, too. So I see it's it's an interesting conversation that we have a lot. Um, right. I don't, I don't I don't really know what the good answer is. Right. But I mean, I go to I, I go to Mizzou. I spend my money here. This place has given me so much. So, yeah, I mean, I'm a little partial to Mizzou. How could I not be so? Ideally, everything goes well. 15 years from now, you're 35 years old. Where are you? Like, what are you doing? Writing profiles for on on NBA athletes for ESPN Magazine. Is it Wright Thompson-like profile? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so you, you want to stick to the, the writing aspect right. of things. Right. So, like, Wright Thompson, Seth Wickersham, what those guys do, both both of them went to Mizzou. Right. Um, I, I've had a lot of conversations with both of them that's my dream job because they have the time to write whatever stories they want to write about the greatest athletes and people in the world i always say too like i love sports but i could 
go write a profile on Quavo and feel like I'd have a lot of fun doing that sure. and could kind of convey something through that. I always say through my stories, like, hopefully I open someone's eyes to one You learn something new. But I enjoy talking to people about their stories because I feel like everyone has a different one. You could go around the room and it's very deep, but, like, we have all been through stuff that we have to overcome, and everyone in life is like that. So that's why I like doing what I do. That's very interesting because, like, I'm not, I'm not trying. I'm not saying like it's raining on your parade, but those guys still thrive in the new environment that that journalism is at right now. And Bo and I have talked about this before. What would you say, Bo? You wanted to be a like an exec at like a. Well, it's and it's kind of funny. It's changed in the last year. It's for the longest time I thought I wanted to just essentially just be a face uh, that people listen to in regards to sports information. But I want to do that. But I want to have my own ringer. I want to have my own athletic. I want to have my own ESPN. I want my own 100 riders that I handpicked and said, you know what, I want him on my team. I want these 30 podcasts. I want them on my team under my brand and all of us working together, collaborating. But I think the handpicking aspect of, oh, you know what, this kid's got some talent out in L.A., like let, let's bring him on early and see what he can do. Yeah, no, and I think that's the fun part for me is, like, hopefully to someone else I am that talent that I can prove to them why I'm worth bringing on. I think that's, I in a way, especially now being a senior where I'm looking at jobs and sure. maybe internships after senior year, I have to think of myself in a way as, like, a free agent. I have to pitch why you should draft me, what makes me different, how is my work going to be better than someone else's, and that's – the fun part, it's not easy. It shouldn't be easy, but mm -hmm. that, for me, is the fun part, and that's why I can see why you would want to, like, handpick. Yeah, I mean, we all love reading certain people and listening to certain people. It's fun. That's why I think we're doing this right now is because we are entertained by other people doing it, and hopefully people are entertained by us. Um, so, I mean, that's what makes it – it's fun. As long as it's fun, like, I, I'll right. do whatever. And plus, like, just doing this has – allowed me to talk to people I thought I'd never talk to. I, there's no way I was ever going to talk to Reese Hoskins, who now, like, I'm getting him on my fantasy team every year. Like, I got a jersey of Reese Hoskins. Like, I, I, I'm all in on Reese. Robert Mays, he's a Chicago guy, works at The Ringer. I One of those guys that I just always read. Bill Simmons growing up, same guy, Ray Thompson. For me, it's always been like, when I saw the first 30 for 30, when I saw Winning Time with Reggie Miller, I was watching on my iPad Touch in the back of a car. When I saw this, I was like, and I saw the director, I was like, yeah, yeah, I want to be That's that. What, yeah. I like. I I already have like five like written thirty for thirties that I could that I would like want to you know uh, forget the word pitch to somebody. Right. I would want like I have five just in the back of my head because. Growing up, that's what I want to do. When I came to Mizzou, I thought that broadcast journalism was the way to do that. It was to learn those was, and it's not. I mean, it's a, it's certainly a way of getting there, but it's it's way more roundabout. And I, you know, I it, to do especially writing profiles and stuff it takes a ton of time, it takes a ton of work. And you're right, you do need those times. Those guys do like six months at a time. It's <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. So that's the thing is like I'm writing a profile for this week on Albert O and his past and his dad and. Um, his dad came over from Nigeria when he was 19, had no money, had to work three jobs and ultimately met Albert's mom. And just like, I have five days to do this story essentially. Whereas some of these guys take so much time, get to spend time with these athletes. But th to your point too, like you came here doing, wanting to do this. I think I came here wanting to be like, uh, B 
beat writer or something and things change. And I think there's no, not one path to doing it. Like I always look at, Oh, how did Robert Mays get to where he is? How did right top? It's just so it's timing. It's how good you are. Obviously it's how hard you work. It's the people, you know, there's just so much involved with this. You have to enjoy it though. Right. Because if you don't enjoy it, then it, it shows in the product of itself. I'm, so I'm taking these bullshit broadcast classes where I'm covering stories on like dental care in Missouri. I don't care at all. And it shows in my work. I know it does. Yet you put me on a mic ready to talk sports. You want me to interview someone. I can do that. I'll do all the preparation. I'll put in all the work because I love doing it. It makes it so easy to work hard when you love doing it. And, you know, if people like it, people like it. But, you know, we're just going to go out there and – have some fun doing it. Right. That's always been my thing. And um, people have always asked me, like, why would you choose that? You know, the, the money involved. In, like, I'm very aware that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Like that. Is, that's that, I mean, that's just how it works in this business. Um, but I have faith that if I'm doing what I love every day and I'm working as hard as I have, things will work out in the long run. I right. think all of us have to be confident enough in ourselves that that's kind of our mindset. I, well, basically, what we're talking about is three different versions of storytelling. Whereas right. there, there only used to be one, which was basically your right print. It was print, and now it's it's completely different. And print guys do so much more now, and broadcast guys do so much more now. You just basically have to be well rounded in everything, and that and that's at the end of the day at, for journalism. That's at the end of the day. At the end of the day, yeah, it's it's something Bo and I always say. We we always try to like not say it, and we just have to say it. Um. Well, like Bo said, we'll we'll slowly wrap it up here. Um, do you have any? I think we had insert a number. Yeah, you think so? I my I I have one question before I Bo will ask the the that that question real quick is, um, you said you wanted to write profiles for uh, you know NBA guys or whatever outside of like LeBron or you know the top five guys in the league like KD or those guys. Is there is there someone that catches your eye in the league that you're like, yeah, I would love just interesting character, yeah. Kawhi Leonard, I know he's like top five. I honestly already think he's like the MVP, but yeah. Right, right. I know it. Like he's he's played so well, but what are, what do we know about Kawhi Leonard? Do we know Kawhi Leonard? So I I actually know Kawhi relatively okay. okay. No, no. Kind of funny, actually. Okay. Kind of funny. Um, Kawhi's. So no, no, no. So Kawhi went to San Diego State. Okay. And we're San right, Diego right, guys. Right. Kawhi Leonard. During his time at San Diego State, um, really good family friend, have spent like multiple New Year's Eves with them, is a, a, a agent in the NBA, and he wow. signed Kawhi out of college. Wow. So he, he repped Kawhi through the first five years and got to meet him on multiple occasions during the lockout, the NBA lockout. That was a really big summer for me as an NBA fan. Nothing was happening, so guys were just playing pickup. And why not go to San Diego to play pickup? Why not go to San Diego? Well, I I was fortunate enough to get the inside scoop on where these games were being played. And at times it was me, my dad, Tony Bland, a USC assistant coach and Steve Kerr are the only like five people watching these pickup games. And Kawhi Leonard would play. And um, so it's, it he is a very, very interesting cat that would be. A fascinating character to do a piece on, so I understand your interest in doing that. Right. I think opening people's eyes to who the guy really is as a person would fascinate me most. And if, especially if you can figure it out, 
No, right, right. And I pro- <laughs> like I think Lee Jenkins of sport. He formerly of Sports Illustrated, now got hired by the Clippers um, to work in their front office. He did a profile on Kawhi that I think's the best one out there. And even that just leaves so many questions for for readers, for fans of the NBA. It's it that would be the one NBA guy. I mean, I could think of there are a lot of people like Nick Saban. Answer. Nick Saban for me would be fascinating just being from there. People have profiled him, but I, to tr- it's funny when we were, I was in Vegas this past summer and we saw Kevin Durant and Kyrie. They were pretty close. We were out. We saw them. Um, that's the extent to details I will go. Um, he was out yeah, in Vegas <laughs> and, and with some f- buddies, and they were going crazy. Oh my God, Kyrie, Katie! It's very cool to see Kyrie and Katie, of course. Yeah. But for me, it's fun. Like when I can genuinely have a conversation with these guys, as if they're not some, and, and they are. They are like role models and like superstars for all these kids but for me it's fun to truly have the conversation like i can say drew Locke and i are to the point where i can talk to him about a restaurant on ninth avenue as if it was us talking right now and that's like the goal for me is to get to that point with a lot of these guys and that's just time has gotten me to that point right so we'll wrap it up that was awesome i loved where the podcast kind of ended up i knew the football and basketball talk was going to be good because that's easy <laughs> but i just love the direction that we ended up going in uh towards the end of that podcast gabe you're gonna be put on the hot mic here in a sec okay okay you'll be okay you can handle it you can handle it we're gonna go around the table we'll start luke then we'll go to alec then we'll go to gabe and then i'll wrap up this is episode number 13 of the podcast okay so something we do is you have to pick a player who wore number 13, you get to pick one player, and then I want what jersey you vi- you envision when you think of that player in that number, jersey. Okay? okay? Does that make sense? So number 13, it's the 13th episode of the Iconic Podcast. So you're going to have to pick one player who's worn 13 and the jersey, the colorway that you enjoy the most. Okay. Uncle Luke, you can uh, start, my friend. So, I mean, 13 is a tough one. We, we started this with 11. I ended up going with, like, my, my best childhood best friend who was quarterback when I played football and I was wide receiver, and, like, that just worked for me. But 13 is an interesting number. Um, uh, I played uh, baseball, like, pretty competitively all the way through high school and then almost decided not to come to a big college and just play, like, D2 or D3 or something like that or walk on somewhere. Um, so growing up, like, one of my favorite players growing up, Baseball-wise, was A-Rod until, like, obviously, you know. He, he, there you go. The, the, but I, to me, the I, I was about to, like, look up 13s, but it's definitely Joking Noah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's 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 how sad my existence of being a Bulls fan what can jersey, be. Oh, the, 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 the black with the – oh, no, it's 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 just the plain white. The reason why I say this is um, in the 2009 first-round playoffs between the Bulls and the, the Celtics when Joe Noah in Game 6 just dunked on Paul Pierce to send it to Game 7. I, such an abstract thing, but it's like one of the greatest like <laughs> moments of my childhood. I was in seventh grade, and it was literally the greatest. The 2009 NBA playoffs, dunk on Pierce. He steals the ball, dunks it, fouls Paul Pierce out. I hate it. I hate the Celtics still. I hate Boston to this day still. But, I mean, it was like one of the most – iconic moments of my of my fandom as a bull derrick rose's first playoff year i mean it was it was everything to me okay alec you're up champ (laughs) you're up champ so so there were a couple that popped in my head immediately answer it however you would like to answer one was p 
PG-13 Paul George. But that's not the one I want to go. So I mentioned, like, I've never really had teams growing up, but I loved Oregon football. I used to absolutely love Oregon football. And um, DeAnthony Thomas wears number 13 for the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm thinking the red – I'm thinking the, the red jersey. But DeAnthony Thomas, like, he – Michael James – uh, Kenyon Barner was a beast. <laughs> um, Darren Thomas was a quarterback, and then before him, Dennis Dixon was the goat. And that, like DeAnthony Thomas, though, kind of solidified um, my love of Oregon football. I used to think the jerseys were cool, and Jeff Chip Mayo. Kelly, yeah, Jeff Mail, twenty three. No, like DeAnthony Thomas. They, I, I also had to throw the Chiefs in there with how good they've been. It's been pretty cool to watch. So. That's Gabe, you can take Alex, Mike. Don't do anything clumsy because I just feel like you are. Just, just Get relatively out. close, but one player. How's this? Uh, that's Luke. golden. Golden. Yeah. Golden distance right there. Um, well, the first one that popped in my mind was Harden, obviously. James Harden. Couldn't really think of anyone else. Um, so I'd have to go him and the the whites, the home whites. <laughs> the home out. whites. Yeah. I like that, Gabe. The, the, <laughs> that's all we needed. That's all we needed, Gabe. Beautiful. Um, Oh my like goodness, Gabe, Gabe! Do you like Harden? It's the lefty connection. That's yeah, what it is. Gabe's I've been playing a just like him at the rec recently. Both can vouch. <laughs> Get the mic out of his hand. Both can vouch. I can't. No, I gave you your NBA comparison last week. Oh my God! Shut your mouth, Jokic. Because you're a big fella, you can pass, and you got a soft touch around the rim, and you can let it fly. Come on. And you're disrespecting my pick? Oh, my goodness. Um, my selection for 13, the player that I was going to pick was going to be OBJ. It was, was the 13 that came to my mind. I don't love any of the Giants jerseys. And so I wanted to change my answer, and so I ended up going with Dan Marino in 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 the in the turquoise or the teal, I think is the the proper term. But I'll, I'll go with uh, I'll go with Dan Marino in the teal, thirteen, bingo, top five quarterback of all time, maybe. Probably. Quarterback wise, I don't think so. What's Carson Wentz ten? Kurt Warner was 13, right? Yeah, shout out to me. St. Louis. St. Louis rep, rep, oh, TSP's going to be mad. We brought up the St. Louis Rams. RIP. Oh, my God. They get so sad when you talk about it. I mean, I would – I mean, imagine. Ima I actually, y'all can't imagine. I can't imagine, bro. Come on. <laughs> they, oh and boy. now they're talking about right, right. It's the been Chargers leaving again. No, yeah. Leaving it's, L.A. It's and a bad deal. St. Louis is in the mix. Or in the rumored mix of, I have no idea. <laughs> How funny would that be? I, I don't really care. I'm My interest in football disappeared a long time ago. Um, Alec, this was an absolute blast. Thank you for swinging on through. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Bo, Lucas, Last fun. word. Last word. Anything you want to say? I, I Prediction for the – Prediction for uh, – well, lastly – if you need anything, let us know. Oh sure, yeah, no, no. If I need you want to, if you want to block one, we'll, no, we'll take yeah, care of you. No, yeah, for sure. But um, yeah. Last thing, Mizzou prediction this weekend. We both said it was Mutt to win. So um, I will say. I'm trying to think of numbers. I'd say Missouri wins. Ooh. I don't think it's gonna be high scoring. Thirty-one, 
24. Okay. Right on the number. Bingo. Vegas would agree. Yeah. Vegas would I agree. I think that's a safe bet for me. I think Mizzou wins by a touchdown. I just think Missouri's going to win. I think Barry Odom knows Missouri has to win. I think Drew Locke knows that he needs to prove to Missouri fans that he can win a big game at home. And maybe this will be, like, for him, the moment that people remember that kind of set Mizzou on, on the right track. Episode 13 of the Iconic Podcast. Thank you, guys. Uncle Luke, always a blast. And nice work today uh, allowing a, a third uh, in-studio guest. That was big time. Nice work. Um, we always end every episode with the uh, the infamous words of Kenny the Jet. Let's go home, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go home. Let's go home. Let's go home, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go home. Make a clap for this. 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 Make a clap for this.